You are now listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Our message comes to us from our teaching and discipleship pastor, Pastor Jordan Wood. Have a listen. Title of my sermon this morning is Praying for His Presence. Praying for His Presence. We're going to be looking at a few passages in the Gospel of John. And uh, we're actually going to go into the Old Testament today. We're going to look at Exodus, Exodus a little bit. I just sense that there's a lot of excitement about Exodus in this side of the room. So much. Amen. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 27. It says this. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching." My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Let me just pray quickly one more time. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I want your words today. I don't want to speak from myself. That's, that's usually my, my prayer when, whenever I'm standing just before worship and I'm getting up to share and speak. I love to pray that prayer, God, use me, speak through me. They don't need me. They need you. They need to hear from you. And I usually pray and ask God, God, guide my preparation. Guide my time that I'm spending in prayer, 
prepare me, Lord, to speak and to teach. And so I pray that that is true this morning, because I know that it's not me that you need, but it's the Holy Spirit. I know that you need to hear a word from God. And you need to have more of the Holy Spirit in your life. So we pray that that's clear today and that it comes through in what we share. You know, it never ceases to amaze me uh, after some messages. Um, I'll come down from the platform. People will come up, shake hands, greet, and some people will have a word of encouragement. And they'll say, you know, what you, what you said really ministered to me. And they'll go on and say, it was when you said this, 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 and this. And I'm thinking, I never said any of that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because I know that even as I'm speaking to you, God is working in you. And he's speaking. Looking at this passage, it's very sobering. This is kind of a transition passage where Jesus introduces in the Gospel of John the Holy Spirit. And here Jesus says that if you love me, and the word for love is agape, if you agape me, you will keep my commands. Full stop. We obey the Lord as an expression of our love for him. We don't obey the Lord out of a sense of uh, religion or just as a routine thing. Depart from relationship. We don't have religion. We have relationship. Amen? Mm -hmm. We obey, Jesus says, because we love it's an expression of our love for him. This past week, my wife and I were having a conversation with our oldest son, Gabriel. <laughs> Gabriel is five years old, and he is in senior kindergarten. We were informed uh, a little while ago, some time ago, that uh, Gabriel's teacher will be leaving his class at the end of January, beginning February. Not sure exactly when. We haven't heard many updates about it. Because another teacher is returning from maternity leave. And so the teacher that he has presently, and for the last, uh, actually this will be his second year with this teacher, uh, has been there because this other teacher's gone away on maternity leave. Now that teacher's coming back. So Gabriel's teacher, Miss Stanley, <coughs> a wonderful teacher, is, uh, is, will be leaving. So we, we like to have conversations with our son, uh, Gabriel to just kind of prepare him for transitions in life. Just, you know, this is a very important person in Gabriel's life. And, uh, you know, she'll, she'll be leaving. So we want to make sure that we help have some anticipation and build up that conversation about what it's going to be like um, with that change. So we were talking with Gabriel to see where his heart was and to help him through this transition uh, as I said, Gabriel's teacher's leaving and a replacement will soon be arriving. So Gabriel said to us, you know, I'd like to make a special card for Miss Stanley. And on it, I will write the following. Those of you who don't know Gabriel, he's very articulate. He says, Miss Stanley, I miss you so much and I love you XOXO. X, 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 right? Something like that. I don't know how many X, O's there were. 
It was, it was a number of them. And we said, oh, that's, that's sweet. You know, it's helping Gabriel prepare for this transition. Even children understand the importance of expressing gratitude, of expressing love, right? We express our love to Jesus in our obedience. We obey because we love him, and we love him because he first loved us. Therefore, even our obedience is only possible because of the love of God. Let us pray for the Holy Spirit. Let us pray for his presence. Jesus said that the Father would send another advocate. It's kind of a funny word. The word in the original is parakleton. It means counselor, helper, intercessor, comforter, and consoler. The Holy Spirit is the soon arriving teacher. Jesus said that even the words he was speaking did, did not originate with him, but came from God. It's interesting. He was speaking to the disciples, and they were about to face a transition. They were going to go from one teacher that they knew to another. And Jesus was speaking to them and having this conversation to help them adopt the, the idea of transition, to prepare them for what was about to happen. Jesus said that this teacher that's coming, he's another one like me. He's, he's going to be an advocate. He's going to be a helper, a counselor, a consoler. Someone who will guide you into all truth, will remind you of the things that I've spoken to you. But what's interesting here is that Jesus says the words that I'm even speaking about, the words that I'm saying didn't even originate with me. I received them from God. He was speaking by the Holy Spirit about the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. I find that awesome. The Holy Spirit is sent, is poured out on the church as a result of the Holy Spirit-inspired words of Jesus. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray for his presence. Jesus spoke by the Spirit and in the Spirit, about the Spirit. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. As we speak about the Holy Spirit, as we pray for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is poured out. Do you remember that incident in, in Acts where Peter gets up and preaches a sermon? He's preaching by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what happens? The Spirit of God is poured out on the people in multiple times in the book of Acts. Spirit gives birth to Spirit. We should never be ashamed to speak about the Holy Spirit. Talk about the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray for His presence in our lives. Amen? Mm -hmm. Praying for the Holy Spirit is fundamentally, like we've said, about a loving relationship with Christ. The Holy Spirit is sent to us by God because of Jesus so that we would not be left alone on our own as orphans. Jesus loves you. The Holy Spirit has been given as an expression of his love to you. The gift of the Holy Spirit is not temporary. It's not temporary, but forever. The Holy Spirit is not a distant gift, but has been given to remain and abide within us. The Holy Spirit is given to us to lead us into all truth, to guide us, to comfort us, to show us the way, to teach us, to remind us of all that Jesus taught and said. And because of the Holy Spirit, we have peace with God. 
If you have peace with God today, it's because of the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have the Holy Spirit. If you have peace with God today, you have the Holy Spirit. So we need to pray for the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for His presence. In John 16, Jesus continues speaking of the Holy Spirit. He says this in verse 7, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, there's that word again, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And then he said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you of what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. See, the Spirit, even here, it won't speak on his own behalf. Because he'll speak as he hears. He'll speak as what has been revealed to him by Jesus. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit... The spirit of truth here guides us into all truth about Christ. If you are here this morning and have faith in Christ, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, God incarnate, you do so only because it has been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Faith in Christ is spiritual. You remember when Jesus went to the disciples and asked who, who am I? Who do the people say I am? And they gave certain answers. And then he said, okay, but Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said this, Simon Peter, what you just said didn't originate from man. What you just spoke didn't come from flesh and blood, but from my father who's in heaven. Faith in Christ only comes through revelation by the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to pray for the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for his presence. Because we need the revelation of who Christ is. We need for the people around us to have a revelation of who Jesus is. We need for our community, for our companies, for our neighbors, friends, relatives to have a revelation of who Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is. So we need to pray for the Holy Spirit. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for his presence because it's not going to come through wise words, as Paul said, but the kingdom of God is, is by the power of God. Paul had a lot of wise words. But he said the kingdom isn't established that way. The kingdom is established only through the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit. We ought to pray for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is 
the one who brings conviction of sin. He will be the new teacher of righteousness and will prove that the prince of this world stands condemned. You see, while Jesus was on the earth, he was calling people to repentance. While Jesus was on the earth, he, was, he would say, repent for the kingdom of God is near. He was the teacher of righteousness. And he was saying that now he would no longer be that teacher of righteousness on the earth, but that he would provide another advocate who would convict the world of sin, who would be the teacher of righteousness. And that's why it's to our advantage that Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit so that the conviction of sin and the teaching of righteousness was no, no longer needed to be external to us, but was now given to us within. This is important. It's through the testimony of the Holy Spirit that the prince of this world is shown to be judged. So we need to pray for the Holy Spirit we need to pray for his presence. One of the marks of the early church and one of the marks of the early Pentecostals, actually, at the turn of the century, was that when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a keen awareness that the kingdom of heaven was coming soon, that the end was near. They lived with earnest expectation that Jesus could show up at any moment and it would be done. There was something about the reception of the Holy Spirit, being baptized, being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and, and, and being touched by God in a powerful way that in their hearts there was a connection between that filling of the Holy Spirit and the knowledge that Jesus was coming soon. It's all over the articles and, and writings from that time period. All of them say, Jesus is coming soon. We know it. We sense it in our hearts. It's being confirmed by the Holy Ghost. And so we learn from the Holy Spirit. We are convicted of sin. We are shown what righteousness truly is. And we are reminded that Jesus is coming back very soon. Amen? Are you desperate for the presence of God? Are you hungry for the Spirit of God? Are you asking God for more of His presence, more of His power, more of the Holy Spirit? I want to, as I mentioned earlier, take a look at a couple instances in the life of Moses. And so we're going to be looking at uh, Exodus. My contention this morning is that Moses was desperate for the presence of God. It's important for us to look at the life of Moses, particularly concerning how the presence of God was mediated to Israel because it gives us insight into the greater mediation of the Holy Spirit that we know today through Jesus. So here's what I'm saying. When we look at Moses, we see how the Holy Spirit was in operation, and that gives us insight to understand how the Spirit functions for us today through Christ. Amen? We need to pray for the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for his presence. In Exodus chapter 33, it says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and any other rights. 
Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you, okay? Because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. Do you know any stiff-necked people here in church? Next to you? No? Okay. No, seriously, do you know some? <clears throat> Amen. The context of this passage is Mount Sinai. And uh, it's a very interesting passage. Let me just tell you a little bit about what's going on. Moses had just come down from the mountain where he met with God and received the Ten Commandments. But when he arrived at the base of the mountain, he saw the people were worshiping false idols. As a result, judgment and a plague broke out against the people. And Moses pleaded with God for forgiveness. He even said that if God didn't forgive them, Moses asked to be blotted out of God's book. A further result of this sin was that God's own presence would not go with them to the promised land. That's why he said, my presence will not go with you. Instead, I'm going to send an angel to go with you. Because if I go with you, you're, you're not going to make it. You're going to be consumed. And the people were devastated. And they asked Moses, please go back intercede for us, pray to God, and maybe he'll change his mind. We pick up the story in verse 12. It says, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. So if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't send me. Don't send us up from here. How will anyone, that you, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? How will anyone know the truth of Christ unless the Holy Spirit is at work in your life? How will anyone know that you find favor on us unless you yourself go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, after this intercessory prayer, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Do you hear Moses' desperation? Moses goes as far as leveraging his own relationship with God to make a case for, a, for, the, for this people. He says, I've found favor in your sight. Don't forget, these people are your people. They're not my people, they're yours. And if I've found favor, then grant my request. Moses wasn't satisfied that God promised his presence for him alone. He was desperate for the presence of God but not only for himself, but for the people as well. God, it's not enough that I know your presence. Your presence must be known to the people as well. Church, we need to pray for the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for his presence. It's not enough that I know the presence of God. My family needs to know the presence of God. My friends need to know the Holy Spirit. It's not enough that I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
I want my community to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want my government, the companies, the businesses, the churches, the people around us. We pray for the Holy Spirit. We pray for his presence. Again, hear the desperation in Moses. God, if you don't forgive them, blot me out as well. It's another way of saying, don't forgive me either. It's kind of an ultimatum. It's a bold statement before God. God, if you don't forgive them for this sin, then forget me too. And don't forgive me. Is that your prayer? Are you desperate for the Spirit of God? For the lives of the people around you? Not just for yourself. We need to pray for miracles. Yes. That was last week. Pray for signs. Pray for wonders. Yes. But we need to pray for the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for His presence. Now here's the truth. You can't, actually, you cannot separate His power from His presence. Miracles, signs, and wonders are not powers of a believer. As if we're praying for a certain anointing and then, okay, now I've got the power to heal. It's not, it doesn't work like that. I don't know what they showed on TV, but it doesn't work like that. We cannot separate his power from his presence. Miracles, signs, wonders are not powers of a believer, but a witness and the proof of his power and presence in our life. Now, understand that God does gift his church. God has given the church evangelists and pastors and teachers and prophets and various gifts. But we get off track when we think that the anointing of God originates with us. It is by his spirit, his power, his presence. That's why we need to pray for the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for his presence. A little further on in, in Exodus we have this other story. It says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant, then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord again. Moses here, the context of this particular chapter here in, in chapter 34 is that Moses has now gone up a second time to meet with God. He had to get the Ten Commandments again. Because when he came down the first time, he saw the sin of the people and he was furious and he was upset and he smashed the stones. He didn't realize that as a result of meeting with God, his face was glowing with the glory of God. When the people saw this, they were struck with fear. This became a common occurrence, so Moses adopted a veil. Because every time he would come out of the presence of God, his face would be glowing. 
even in the days of Moses, as a result of his posture and as a result of his prayer, as a result of his relationship and intimacy with God, Moses experienced a tangible expression of the presence of God and of the glory of God. Let me tell you a quick story. I was um, praying with uh, Cecilia's uncle. Cecilia's uncle, Uncle Pat, uh, we call him Tito Pat, and even though his name is Eugene, I don't understand Filipino names, okay? (laughs) They have real names, and then they have the names that you call them. He's just an awesome man of God. He's, He's pastoring maybe a dozen or so churches in the Philippines. They're all on different islands, and he travels by boat to some of them, and he's got churches around the Manila area. And uh, he actually came to Canada some years ago, and we had a visit. And we were downstairs in uh, the basement, and we were praying. And the power of God just fell on us. And I'll describe it to you. We were just sitting there, and it was almost like I got taken up in almost like a whirlwind type feeling. If you've ever felt like, like that. And it might sound strange to some of you, but I don't mind being strange. Um, I'm just describing what it was like. And when we got taken up in prayer, it was like we entered into, and the only way to describe it is that it was just stuff that you know. You don't know how you know, you just know. And I just sensed that we were in kind of like, the vibe was like a throne room. And the attitude, we knew that God was present, but we were so in awe and we were so revering the presence of God that we, we, we were hesitant to speak. But we knew one thing, that whatever we would have asked in that place, God would have given it to us. The funny thing is, when you're in the presence of God, you don't want anything else. From our vantage point today, we understand that the covenant that God made with Moses was not yet the perfect covenant that Jesus would inaugurate. Instead, it was a foreshadowing of what was to come later. Paul, in 2 Corinthians, makes the argument that the covenant promise of the Holy Spirit that we enjoy today is greater than the one that Moses had experienced. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says this, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, that's the Ten Commandments, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, means it was fading, means it was passing, means it was temporary, will not the ministry of the Spirit that we have be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory which lasts? Isn't that amazing? Paul is saying, look, even how amazing that 
glory was on Moses' face, even though he met with God face to face, even though he came out glowing, even though he, he received the Ten Commandments, even though he walked with so much intimacy before God, the covenant that we have today, church, is greater than what Moses experienced. The potential for the intimacy that we could walk in in the Holy Spirit makes Moses, it says, no glory at all in comparison. Are you hungry for the Holy Spirit? Are you desperate for more of his presence and power in your life? Finishing that passage, it says this, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to Christ, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's one of my favorite parts of scripture. It says, now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We now, with unveiled faces, we behold the fullness of the glory of God. This is what's been given to us in Christ. This is what's been made available to us through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to pray for the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for his presence. The glory of his presence that we have today is greater than the glory of old. The posture of our hearts, however, is still key. We need the humility that Moses had. We need the desperation that Moses had. Not in the sense that we would despair, but in the sense that our desire would eclipse a passion for anything else. In the context of loving obedience to Christ. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray for his presence. When anyone turns to Christ, the veil covering the glory of God is removed and we have full access to the glory of God through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in Christ to invite the worship team to come back and I'll share with you another story. In 2003, I, was, I moved to uh, Kingston, Ontario, also known as Cowtown. For those who uh, have lived there for any stretch of time, it's one of the nicknames they have, have it affectionately. And... Uh, I was there for a season and um, for about a year, and then the Lord called me back to Montreal, and there were some very key lessons that I had to learn there in my formation, in my walk with God. Sometimes the Lord will send you out for a season to experience something, to learn something, and uh, when it's done, it's done. And I was making my drive back. And God had done such a, a powerful work in me at the time. And without sounding negative, I was just very broken. And I say that in, in, in its most positive sense. I was just very broken 
from the experience. It was, it was difficult to, you know, move and, and uh, get a place and get a job. And uh, if you miss a bus in Kingston, you're three hours out. Let me just tell you. There's not a lot of transit. Uh, maybe it's better now. But back then, it was pretty difficult to get around. And the Lord miraculously um, gave me a car. Maybe I'll tell that story another time. Uh, it, was mir- it was a miracle. I was just, I said, Lord, I need a car. Next day, someone showed up and said, are you Jordan? I have a car for you. And, uh, and I'll explain that maybe another time. But I was driving back in this car the Lord gave me. And I was just thankful, but I was just really, really broken. So I'm driving back on the 401, and uh, it's kind of a blizzard out. It's like hailing. It's hard to see. Driving back, it's dark. I'm driving back to Montreal, and I just began to worship God. Just began to pray as loud as I can. I don't know if you're ever driving alone, and you're worried maybe you'll fall asleep. You start praying, you start worshiping. I was just praising God and worshiping as loud as I could. I didn't care if anybody saw me. It was dark anyway. And uh, my voice isn't the greatest, but it didn't matter. I was the only one in the car. Packed up all my stuff. And as I was driving on the 401, the Spirit of God just fell on me in the vehicle. And... I remember I could sense tangibly that the glory of God was just all over my my face, essentially. This only happened once in my life. I'm not saying it's normative. I'm not saying this is what we should seek. I'm just describing a situation. That I, as I was broken before God and as I was worshiping from a place of brokenness, from a place of humility, from a place of desperation, as I lifted my voice with every fiber I had, with all the energy I had, the glory of God was manifest in that vehicle and and just fell on me. I want to tell you today that because of his great love for us, we can align our hearts with Moses. We can align our hearts with David. Read what David said in Psalm 51. Verse 10, it says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Verse 17 in in that psalm goes on to say that a broken and contrite spirit God will not despise. He will never reject. He will never turn away someone who turns to him with a contrite heart. God will never reject an approach of humility. And so we pray for the Holy Spirit. We pray for his presence. I love that old song. It says, come, Holy Spirit, I need thee. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in thy strength and thy power. Come in thine own special way. You have been listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including events, ministries, and service time, 
please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast store, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.